This is episode 80 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am grateful that you are here and welcome you into the Kindred Mom community. I'd love to invite you over to kindredmom.com to check out the current series that we're in, the ages and stages of childhood. And there is amazing stuff to share from this past couple of months. A variety of writers have shared their motherhood stories with us and you can read those on the blog or you can listen on the podcast feed. And if you're listening, you can hear the essay read by the writer, as well as a chat with her following that piece um, that just gives you some insight into her world and what motherhood is like for her in this season. I would love also if you guys would sign up for our email newsletter that we've been sending out about once a week. We send a digest of the things that we've been sharing on Kindred Mom, and it's a great way to keep up and connect more with our community. Today's guest is my friend Tammy Lights, and she is a tremendous artist and a really wonderful mother of three girls. And I just, I cried as I was editing this podcast today, and I just know it's going to be a gift to you. I want to make sure that you don't miss the links in the show notes for this episode to Tammy's artwork. She is very talented, and I'd love for you to find her on um, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Watercolor Revival is the name that she shares her art under, and I just don't want you to miss it because it's so wonderful. I hope you enjoy this conversation, and thanks so much for being here. I'm really pleased to welcome my sweet friend Tammy Lights to the show today, and we are just going to talk about some regular life experiences, her life, my life, and Tammy is an artist and a mama of several children and has so much wisdom to share, so that's why I invited her on the show today as part of the Ages and Stages series. So welcome to our show, Tammy. Thank you, Emily. I'm so happy to be here, and I just really appreciate your heart and your ministry. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, I would love for our listeners to know just a little bit about your family and like where you live and things that you're passionate about. Sure. We're in Spokane, Washington. And so I have a almost 14 year old who has Down syndrome and autism. And she was also adopted through the foster care system. So we got her when she was about one, but she had spent most of her first year in the hospital. So there's medical trauma and attachment things that go along with also having to be in foster care for a few years and uh, now being a teenager. So, um, yeah. we also have two um, bio kits, is what we call them, because I don't like the terminology our kids, because of course our adopted kids are our kids as well. Um, and McKenna and Alice are 11 and 9. And McKenna has ADHD. My husband and I also do. And Alice has ADHD and dyslexia like myself and my brother. So it is a lot of mental health and special needs in the family, but how we have learned to tackle it is as a team, like we're all in this together and um, we are on each other's side to encourage each other through it. And I really value that in our relationship as well. And you knowing in advance what would be hard for me and giving me space and grace for that because Mm. it's more than 
a little difficult to sometimes do things that are easy for other people when you have ADHD and that's invisible to the outside. So when people see you in that way, it's really special. There was a wall of awful, we call it, that I had to climb in order to get on the podcast this morning. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, I think especially of my nine-year-old who has dyslexia and ADHD, now that we're all home in quarantine, homeschooling together, Mm -hmm. those walls of awful are just popping up all over our house all the time. And, and it feels like get the binder off the shelf so you can start your work. Why are you staring at the binder? (laughs) And realigning my thoughts and remembering like she's staring at her wall of awful and every brick is a past failure or a shame. And those, those failures pile up Mm -hmm. because we just fall down more (laughs) when we have ADHD and dyslexia. So giving her the tools to not turn into the Hulk and smash the wall. Oh, fine. I'll do my homework, you know? Yeah. But, um, learning how to take some of those bricks out. I can do it. That was hard, but I did it. Mm. And so, yeah. Well, I have talked about on the podcast before, just my propensity or my desire to always be moving towards gentleness and being a presence of peace in my home. And I have seen you uh, adapt the concept of gentleness in so many ways in your life as we've talked about lots of things over the last couple of years. We've been having an ongoing Voxer conversation. So I'm just letting our listeners into a little bit of our history. My husband grew up with your family as close friends. And then I've kind of poached <laughs> poached you for my own friend and uh, have just enjoyed getting to know you so much because I see how you embody a gentleness, even towards these difficult things that you have faced um, personally and as a parent. And, um, and I also just want to talk about your artwork because um, that's one of the things that continues to just draw me to you is um, I see the artwork that you share online. And to be honest, the things that you're amazing at are things that I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. <laughs> and Oh, that's so amazing. And just seeing the beauty of your perspective and the way you approach the way you do your art I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about your journey as an artist and how you bring that into motherhood yeah thank you I grew up in an athletic family which is why (laughs) your husband Colby was such a great fit our I'm a triplet and so the other two in my set of triplets are boys the same age as Colby. And so they did football together. We did track and field together. Um, Colby and I threw things into fields together. Um, and art didn't really fit with that family culture. My grandma was like an, literally an Olympic athlete. My uncle and cousins are as well. So with this competitive mindset, art was like, I won. And <laughs> I won the art show every year in my grade. I, w- I got second place in the state art show. My art was exhibited in a museum, but it mm-hmm. just meant nothing because for me, I didn't have the words to express that I wasn't doing art to win. But to everyone around me that 
well, it's like sports, you know, my brother also, one of them is a musician and it came to me recently that I won second place in the state in art. Bryce won first place in solo and ensemble, which is like the whole state. It's not just broken down by the side of your school. And it like meant nothing to us going forward into college because um, art is an expression of who you are and it can't be judged in those terms as better or worse. And I stopped doing it. I went, I got to college, finished my A, came to Spokane, went to Eastern, started the art program and only got two quarters in. And I just felt like I was dying on the inside. Like if the point of this is to make something beautiful for other people to say it is beautiful for my own validation, it's too exhausting to constantly be trying to figure out what you might like. So you might like me. Mm. I'm, I'm tired. I want to do something meaningful with my life. And so I went off and started doing foster care and then really worked for social justice and advocacy had 50 plus foster kids. A lot of them with special needs and especially fetal alcohol babies. Mm. And, but it had gotten to a point where I was really neglecting and ignoring a big part of who I am. It, but I could, but I just had never developed the words to express or really incorporate that into my life. And I got really sick with POTS syndrome. And um, I'm so thankful that you connected me with another friend and we have that boxer group together. She has POTS mm-hmm. as well. And it really took me out and I was in a wheelchair and super sick and I couldn't fight for justice (laughs) in the same way. I couldn't physically even take care of my own needs or um, my family's. And I am so thankful that I feel like God just pinned me down until Mm -hmm. I was ready to see that all these things I was doing weren't making him love me anymore. They weren't adding, mm-hmm. um, they of course were, were good, but Jesus loves me just as much in my bed as he does, uh, in a therapy room with a three-year-old. And yeah. I felt like, okay, I, I have to do something. I can't just watch Netflix or I will, get depressed and like clinically depressed and this will be a major mental health issue. And so I started painting and actually what happened was a friend of mine asked me to teach her how to watercolor and I sighed the wall of awful, you know, (laughs) I don't, I don't watercolor Amy. I, I, because you're my person, I will do this for you, but watercolor is not forgiving it you can't erase it's it's layers of shapes and colors built on top of each other Mm -hmm. and basically said Amy I'll do this for you and we side by side 
did a watercolor together. And then when she left, I said, here, Amy, you could take mine. And she was like, no, it's, it's beautiful. You keep it. No, really, you take it. You take it. I don't want to see it. I don't want it. And she, you know, she took it and left. And then my heart was just heavy. And I felt like God was asking me, why? Why can't you put your art on the wall? Why can't you see it? And it was just because... I felt like it was a physical reminder of my failure, of my limitations. Of <laughs> And God was like speaking so much love to me in that moment that I have learned to love myself, love my kids in our weaknesses. And those weaknesses have been opportunities for him to come in and be the bridge that gets us to the other side every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, Me not being enough reminds me that I don't have to be enough and, (laughs) and I want to invite him into our lives. And so, man, without this constant reminder, maybe I would forget to invite him in because I am not enough here with these kids homeschooling. Nobody is, whether you have kids with special needs or not, it is a really hard time. Mm. And I had seen the beauty in those places where it wasn't what I envisioned, but I couldn't, I couldn't see it in my art. I didn't want to be physically reminded. And then it just grew from there. I just kept painting and painting and painting. And I've been painting ever since Mm. I, I never stopped. I, um, and I was sick with pots for a few years, really badly. And I knew in my head, if God gave me back my my energy, I would stop doing this. And it was really convicting. Like, are you keeping me here? Because, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'll just go right back to foster here. And, um, and, and it made for some kind of funny conversations with him. And of course I've had to just learn to laugh in the chaos that is my life. But mm-hmm. now I know that um, it is just as valuable to make art as it is to work for social justice. I have just, okay, so through the journey, it's, I realized that I had placed value, like different values on different things you could do, like worship leader, missionary, mom, you know, let's teach a Sunday school teacher. Like they had different value and artist was like at the bottom, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) no, um, no value. And I've gotten to connect with people across the country, um, that have gone to hear this story of redemption and hope. And it has value. And, um, and even if it was just for me, it has value. And, that was really the turning point where it became an expression of making beauty in this brokenness of, mm-hmm. of um, living with children with mental health issues, with special needs. But God is so here with us and he makes beautiful things all the time in our family and, and to mm-hmm. get to put that on the world and share his story and, um, I was just doing it for myself because it was so renewing and refreshing. Suddenly it wasn't a competition and Mm -hmm. it was, it was worship. It was Mm -hmm. turning my eyes to God and celebrating who he is in my life. And just built and built. And a few of my friends were 
in on it. And mm-hmm. I was working for a preschool at this point, um, teaching and developing a preschool program at a church. And the pastor um, would ask me, you know, what are you up to? And I would show her a picture of something I painted and tell her the story. And she was just so, um, she loved me in the way that I needed to take away some of those bricks to be brave enough to show the world, like what I was doing and to, yeah. to know that, like that this isn't, a, I'm not putting this out here for you to say, do you like it? Do you like me? Am I okay? I'm out. I'm putting this out here to say, God is good. He is, he is wonderful and see the beauty that he has made. Yeah. And, um, and then I get to hear the stories because they mean different things to different people. So that's also really special to hear what they got out of it and just have this new experience with art that I developed language around that I now get to pass on to the next generation by being an art teacher and teaching these kids how to see their art this way, how to be kind to yourself. Um, My almost 14 year old, she loves Barbies, Claire. Mm -hmm. And she was playing Barbies uh, in her little free time. And because she also has autism, she doesn't play with toys in the same way other children do. They line things up and um, she often is rehearsing what's going on in her head in her play. And so, <laughs> um, so you can hear her say like, I'm going to run away. I'm going to, and I'm like, Claire, I can hear you. <laughs> Don't run <Yeah>. away. <laughs> um, but she was playing with Skipper and Barbie and, Barbie, be nice to yourself. And I just made me smile. (laughs) You're right there. Be nice to yourself. You know, Um, I just love so much of what you shared because I think so many of us are in different ways trying to figure out how do we really strive to do our best and strive to be invested as mothers or whatever professional or creative disciplines that we are drawn to. Uh, We want to do our best, but in the process of doing our best, we can't be really focused on receiving or getting a certain kind of validation from other people in order to be okay. You know, like it's fine to hear feedback from others and what they resonate with and, and what reaches them. But I think um, I just have really loved watching the development of your creative vision and seeing you take an idea you have to fruition and, I have never seen art like yours that speaks to me in a really deep way. Like there's a lot of amazing art out there and I can appreciate it for just the aesthetic quality, but the meaning that is supposed to be translated to the person taking it in, a lot of times I just feel like I'm dumb. Like I just don't get it. <laughs> and um, and when I... When I look at your art, I'm just like, oh, I just, I, I really understand it in a way that, um, I mean, maybe I don't understand what you meant by it, but it does speak to me in a way that I'm just astounded because I've never had this experience with art this way, that it, it means something so much to me, even though I didn't make it. <laughs> um, and, and two, I, I haven't mentioned yet, but you have a group on Facebook that you have been running during quarantine. And I don't know where that's going to go, but it's this sweet little group where you are 
encouraging um, children and their parents to do creative things and, and make projects. It's called Glitter and Ink. And I can put a link to that in the show notes for people to find it if they want to. Um, I'd love to talk about just what you think is important in supporting our creative children, their different stages of development. What are the things that moms can do to help their creative little hearts not feel like this is not a valid use of your time or a valuable use of your time? That's such a great question. I think oftentimes creativity goes hand in hand with perfectionism Mm -hmm. and it, it's such a struggle. I heard someone say once that artists have this gift to see this potential, this beauty and bring it out into the world, but then they get so frustrated because it isn't how they see it in their head. And it's so easy to, to give into that frustration and give up it before you get the skills to make the thing that you wanted mm-hmm. to make. Mm-hmm. And I see how that definitely happened in my life, how that's happened in, in people I love, with people I love that. I, it's just not what I wanted it to be. And I also see that as an analogy for my life. So often it is just right now we are all kind of stuck in this isn't what I wanted to be. Like, I don't want to be working and teaching all of my kids and staying at home and being isolated from my support system and not being able to go to church and in, and God has so much grace, like so, he has so much to say in that place of not finished yet, because that's where we live right now. The, the victory is won and my sins are forgiven, but I still live here and struggle with my sin <laughs> and, um, Art and the way I parent my kids is so much more than a tool or a strategy. It is really the scaffolding that I build my life around. It's this hope in God Mm -hmm. that realigns everything. And so sometimes it's hard to answer questions because it's like when I was training my teaching assistant. I ended up just like giving them small sermons after work because, <laughs> because I'm like, because this is how Jesus loves me. That's always the answer. It always comes back to, because this is how Jesus loves you, little one, because, because take your eyes off of what you're making. That's not perfect. And, and look at him and how much he loves you in your not perfectness how he holds you. Um, one of my favorite books or probably my favorite book is tattoos on the heart. And if you haven't read it, everybody read this book even better. Listen to it on audio from your libraries app for free or, or, or support him. He's great, but he talks about compassion in such a beautiful way. And he says, uh, behold the one beholding you and smiling. And I just see that when we realign our hearts with God's love for us, we have 
that love to give to ourselves and to other people. But when we're looking at our own not perfectness and we're staring at the wall of awful, the, the thing that I can never quite get it right, we're, we're always going to be not enough. And, um, and I'm reminding myself, that that's okay. A lot of times it's just knowing that I'm not alone in this to, to be that voice of encouragement. And um, I think to, especially to catch artistic children in those places of discouragement and hopelessness and heart. Oh, my heart hurts. My heart is heavy. Uh, thankfully right now is a great time for us to engage mm-hmm. with our little artists because it is hard. And I, I sent you a message recently about quarantine. Like it must be so interesting to be Emily right now because she's observing all these children's ways of coping. And yeah. I, me just watching the five of us cope, it's like so interesting to me how all of us deal with it differently. Mm-hmm. But um, like to the point that in those moments to say, oh, here is the tool here, mm-hmm. you know, here is the piano. Here's the ukulele. Here's the paint or the whatever. Um, clay, write it down. Uh, yeah. Draw yeah. It out. My students, I tell them, you know, um, the ki- the adults, I say, I make the kids do push-ups if they talk mean <laughs> about mm-hmm. their art or themselves. Yeah. So don't make me make you do push-ups. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, because we're just having that in mind, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's such a good exercise. I think art puts us in, in a very vulnerable place, right? Where we're opening our hearts up and someone yeah. else can see what's inside. And then in that vulnerable place to be kind, like Jesus is kind to me, it heals us. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it changes that story, that narrative, that a failure, that, mm-hmm. that no, there, there's grace there. And um, so just like being gentle with our children when they uh, feel like frustrated in their art that, that we're, we're enough. And this isn't, this isn't the end. This is practice. Uh, mm-hmm. With my students, I use the analogy all the time that you wouldn't get a basketball and expect to go shoot a three point shot. Like I'm 37 years old and I've played basketball a lot and I wouldn't expect to be able to shoot a three pointer. <laughs> Yeah. I can't do it I because I don't practice basketball all the time because there's yeah. part of it too that we think art is this talent that some people have and some people don't have. Mm-hmm. And well, I'm just not artistic. Well, you know, I practice all the time. You know, people yeah. will say, well, I, I can't do what you do. I paint every day. Like <laughs> I, I practice so much and I wouldn't expect to be able to play the piano like you. Because we yeah. practice all the time. And exactly. um, Yeah, well, I so appreciate your thoughts about that. And I think one of the things that I hear you saying and I think really bears witness in my life watching my children is that I think sometimes it's easy to take for granted how easy it is for someone to communicate their feelings in words. Um, Not everybody can, but 
you know, language and being able to talk, oh, I feel this way right now, um, is something that I have noticed a couple of my children at least don't do as well. They don't know how to articulate with words what it is they're experiencing or how they're feeling. And that art really is an expression or a way for them to share some of what they're processing and some of what they're experiencing from their like internal spaces and not necessarily... You know, I, I think that there is room to communicate different ways, but I just love that children, when it's not about achievement, it's not about getting validation for how proficiently they do something. It's just about exploring what's in their own hearts and what they want to make on a page, what's beautiful to them. And um, I just think that there is uh, really a lot of potential for kids to discover new ways of how to share their hearts. So I just love the the group that you started and how intentional you are there to draw creativity out of kids and make it safe for them to try new things and just explore. I also just really love your commitment to gentleness and making space for things that are just enjoyable. Like you just enjoy it. Absolutely. It doesn't have to always be heavy, you know, it it can just be fun. And one of the things I'm so thankful for Claire that I, I say a lot is just that joy in like learning to laugh at myself. I, Mm -hmm. uh, I think I so easily could have ended up being the mom that shows up five minutes early with all of their kids looking perfect at church to teach Sunday school and everyone's super well behaved. And I leave feeling like I'm a good mom and starting my parenting journey as a foster parent, there was no chance of that happening. I would be (laughs) the one that shows up 15 minutes late because someone got triggered and had a tantrum in the parking lot and ran in front of a car and, and bit somebody in Sunday school. So now I got to get pulled out of of church and it was, I had to learn to disassociate like my identity my being okay with my kids' behavior. Mm-hmm. And um, when I started going to the gym, there was a Zuma class and it looked really fun. But I grew up in a pretty conservative Christian family. So we didn't like dance yeah. at all. We didn't, I didn't get to watch the Smurfs. We didn't, you know, we, yeah. uh, we didn't celebrate Halloween. Um, yeah. And this, and this class looked really fun and running on the treadmill is really, really boring. Mm-hmm. And I just ADHD cannot, it yeah. doesn't matter what podcast, what audiobook, music, I just can't. My brain is just like, I don't care. <laughs> on the treadmill, I mean, on the treadmill. And there's this woman with Down syndrome, adult woman in the middle of the class in the gym, just doing her best and smiling and making her way through it. And I was like, if she can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Like, I identify with this woman because she has Down syndrome. Like my daughter, I want to be her friend. Do you think she'll be my friend? She seems so cool. I'm going to go dance with her. And, and I just kept catching myself when I would make a mistake, be embarrassed and realize, oh, actually no one is looking at me. 
no one cares. You know, everyone else is having a good time and I can miss a move and laugh and then they just smile. And it's this fun interaction where everyone knows everyone else makes mistakes. Why are we pretending we don't? It's it's okay. Mm -hmm. And that ability to laugh has really saved me in parenting because we fail so much, but um, but also just in my life, they bring so much joy. Yeah. And you didn't use this word, but I just see in you from all our conversations, um, just a real resilience that you are constantly going from here is the problem, the struggle, the challenge, the tough stuff, the wall of awful, if that's what you want to call it. And you are constantly moving through that. And I'd love to know how it is that you are helping your kids learn those same things. Oh, huge question. So this is, I wanted to go back and say one thing first. I loved how you said that art is an expression of what's on the inside. And when I first started putting my art out there, it was received pretty quickly. And I feel like God all the time is just, it's just speaking. This is who you are. This is who you are. Like embrace who I made you to be. Stop trying to be a handpicked bouquet of all the best things of all the people you admire and be you. Uh, you're a beautiful bouquet by yourself. <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, this, this picture that you have in your head is, is not who you are let me show you who you are. And uh, I was invited to do an art show in Spokane. And it was, I was like, I've only been doing this for six months. I don't, I feel like, I feel like an imposter. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I talked to my husband before who is, doesn't have a lot of experience. Again, he's an athlete. Uh, He's, he's in the military. It's just a different culture than art. And I said, all right, honey, we're going to go in here. And some of this art's going to be weird. It was like, a, you had to be, I think 19 to even get in to the art show. Yeah. And I'm like, we're going to probably see some gory things, some scary things, some naked things. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to say to ourselves, I admire this person for being so brave wow. And then we're just going to leave it. And afterwards he came to me and he said, I, you know, thank you so much because I would have walked around that art show and gone, I like that one. I don't like that one. I like that one. I don't like that one. And or yours is the best. We're the best instead of going and, and seeing this art that I don't necessarily resonate with, but that is so heavy and so dark and so hard. And it must have taken so much. This art probably saved that person's life. It, it was probably this or hurting themselves. And I admire them for being able to share this with someone else who feels the same. So they know that they're not alone in it. And it just was just so thankful for that, like mind shift. And that's one of the things I always want to tell people about art. Like, let's just let it be and tell the artist, thank you for being this vulnerable. It's, it's like appreciating it for what it music. is. I don't, yeah. expect, right. I don't expect everyone to like the same kind of music I like. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's okay. You can like country and I can like 
folk and they can be kind of the same, but different. Yeah. Um, remind me of the question you asked. I talked about um, just seeing patterns of resilience in your life. And I'm curious if there are things you intentionally do to help your kids be resilient through difficult things. Yes. Okay. So we have this language in our family, this vocabulary we've developed around, especially ADHD, because we all mm-hmm. have it. And except mm-hmm. for Claire, <laughs> um, and who struggles with just very similar, but more difficult things. And when we make a mistake, we try to catch it and then make a strategy. Mm-hmm. And it's so amazing to me to watch my kids now homeschool and see, oh, I got to the end of the week and all I have left is the really, really hard stuff in my packet. I need to make a better strategy because I'm just going to procrastinate this all day long and be in trouble. Mm -hmm. Next week, I'm going to break my packet up Mm -hmm. and put like two fun things and one hard thing in each pile. And I'm going to see if that strategy works. And it just makes my mom heart like explode Mm. with joy (laughs) because that is not how I felt as a young person. I felt like there's not another way to be. I'm just going to continue this, you know, put another brick in the wall. I'm just going to like trudge through and let my shame or my frustration be what motivates me instead of taking a step back and seeing, observing and being curious. I think that's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Be curious. Why am I doing this? Why am I stuck here? Mm -hmm. Why, Why am I frustrated? Why did I react that way? And, um, and then maybe my strategy isn't working and we need a new strategy or, you know, they'll come to me and say, I need a new strategy. Let's brainstorm. And I think one of the silver linings of COVID-19 is letting our kids watch us fail Mm -hmm. because we're not going to do all of it perfectly. There is just too much right now for us to not slip and in that moment, um, not berate ourselves. I um, grew up with just some perfectionists, which, you know, athletes. Mm-hmm. And you can hear, like, on the Google basketball game, me, any sporting event, you can hear the athletes, yeah. you know, beat themselves up. And I was, I mean, I played volleyball. And I hated it. And I think back, like, you were miserable. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was just like, oh, you did it again. Come on, try You know, and I had a really old school coach that was like yelling at us and spitting. And, you know, it was just so awful. Like, we were motivated by just more shame and uh, do better, try harder, you know. And that becomes our default setting for how to motivate ourselves is like, this frustration instead of being curious and having grace and okay, what's, what's going on here is just, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. And there's, there's also just like ground rules in our family. Like we're not allowed to say, hurry up. (laughs) It stresses everybody out. Mm -hmm. If hurry, 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 come on, come on, come on. Um, Like we're going to get out of the house at the same time. If I rush them as if I walk alongside them and say, I don't know, where do you think you left that? Maybe we should have a place for that to live. Does this thing have a place to live? 
uh, I stress and send them into that place in their head where I see it as a a trench. Like now you're stuck in the trench. It is so hard to get out of the trench. Once you go to that place of self-loathing, um, and you can, because Claire verbalizes what she's thinking, you, you can actually hear it. If, if I snap at her, Oh, I'm the worst. I am stupid. I know did it again. Um, and it is so convicting as a parent um, yeah. to hear your child speak that way to themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so in this opportunities for me to fail in front of them, to show them how I am resilient, bounce back from failure. And then also how there's, there's grace for the failure in, mm-hmm. um, I think with the kids, it's that it's the, this, piece of compassion mm-hmm. where the season that we're in is so difficult. I had a friend come and drop off just a care package for Claire, which was so sweet. And she said something like, I don't know how you're doing it. This season is so hard. If there was, if this was a competition, you would win and we'd all just get a participation award. <laughs> I laughed and, you know, I said, well, thank you for seeing that this is hard and I really appreciate this gift, but I just can't go there in that place where it's, I'm the hardest. It's the hardest for me because the truth is it is so much harder for them. It's so much harder for Claire to try to navigate this season with all that she has going on and letting my heart soften and be, be broken for how difficult this is for her to navigate Mm -hmm. and how confused and lonely and frustrated she must feel and how exhausting it is to be the mom and the teacher and the therapist and the manager of the time and the baker and the housekeeper. It's really hard, but it is hard for Claire. Yeah. Well, I would just love as we wrap up, um, if you have anything that you wish you could say to other moms who either have special needs considerations in their homes um, or are in that place of just really feeling like they are not equal to this task of parenting during a quarantine season, what comes to mind as the encouragement or truth you would want to speak to those moms? I was talking with a good friend um, yesterday and she was feeling really defeated with one of her kids in particular who has reactive attachment disorder and trying to be his mom and his teacher at the same time is so difficult. Um, And he is constantly triggered and she just in tears saying, I'm not enough for this. I'm not enough. And I just thought, but no one is like, there's nothing she could, there's no perfect mom cape that she could put on to fix this situation with her son. She is who her son needs right now. He needs her to pursue him mm-hmm. in love. Yeah. And, and that is how Jesus has loved me when I have pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. He's there loving me 
And, um, and I can love my kids when I receive that love from him. And so I guess the, the biggest thing is for me right now to remember to be loved, to take time to be in his presence and receive and be the child that is broken and hurting right now and receive his love. So I know how to give that love to my kids that are hurting and having a hard time. Um, I can't do this on my own strength, but God is right there for me. He's big enough for every one of these situations. He's not only enough, he's more than enough for all of these situations and constantly putting in place again with the strategies reminders throughout the day to be loved to sit and be in his presence and um let him be my father well i think you are incredible tammy and not as a you win the the most courageous mom award but you do win a courage award today because i know it was a lot to ask you to come and share so vulnerably from your heart with all of this stuff that has been going on but you are a huge gift and i am so enamored by your artwork even though you don't do it to you know draw my attention i am very i'm just inspired by the authenticity and the courage that you have to be really honest about the challenges that you face and honor the Lord in the midst of struggling through. Like it's um, what you said about pursuing our children in love. Uh, I feel like that is the, the home run statement of the hour. Just there are so many things that we can get caught up feeling like we need to do this, we need to do that. This is my list or this is these are the benchmarks we're supposed to meet or the things that are supposed to get done. And just reducing that to the simple statement of I want to pursue my children in love um, I think makes it a little easier to succeed at what we're aiming for and um, I know that doesn't take away the complexity and the hardship but I just love that bit of wisdom and thank you so so much for sharing with us today yeah thank you Emily 